This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Julie from Forgotten Classics and A Good Story is Hard to Find. Hello, I'm Seth. Hi, I'm Misa. Talk about books uh, five of The Lord of the Rings, which is the first half of The Return of the King. First published in 1955. Wow. 60 years ago. Um, so one one of the things I, I usually try and get obsessed about some little part of a book. What really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. I, I find it, you hide it. I find research really comforting. That's my security blanket or something. <laughs> um, That's right. This is the book of security blankets I hear. Yes. Tell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, so uh, the the one I thought it was going to be was. Um, and maybe it is. Uh, do you remember the scene when they come out of the out of the Path of the Dead, and there's this black stone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they they make a big deal about how nobody in the neighborhood will go near it, and uh, some people thought that it was it it had uh, fallen from the sky. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, there's a story by Robert E. Har- Howard called the Black Stone that has sort of a similar you know local taboo. And it was written prior to this and huh. published all prior. So I thought, oh, uh, but they're, they're quite different other than, you know, that stone's evil. This one's just black. <laughs> it's right. not evil. It's, right? it's just a that stone, you know, they, sac- they sacrifice um, uh, human babies, too. Um, oh. And this one, they just put their hand on it, right? Right. It's, um, it's so, yeah, the, the, yeah. the other thing that it reminds me of, it reminds what? me of uh, the Kaaba, the, the stone in the middle of Mecca, um, that yeah, sort of the focal point true. for Islam. And I'm sure that was not an inspiration at all, but it, it sounded very, you know, it has a similar you know, legend of that, you know, maybe a meteorite or something. Yeah, there's a, a, a Julie would probably know this better than I. Uh, there's a similar one in the Hebrew Bible of. Um, a covenant stone, and that's what this what this one is for, right? It's a you yeah, put literally. your hand on it, you swear your promise to uh, fealty um, because the stone's listening. I don't remember where <laughs> the is stone that. Will is remember. The oh yeah, it's in there. Um, oh, I'm going to look for that because what I was thinking of were two different stones. Were not black in the Bible, but right? Well, one is though when you said in the Bible, I thought of the stone that Moses hits twice in order to bring water out when the people are crying for water and he gets punished because he doesn't trust enough. He hits it twice instead of just once. Well, he's not punished, but it's like, well, now you're going to want, you're never going to go into the Holy Land, by the way. Yeah, he doesn't, yeah. Promised Land. And then um, the other one I thought of is, isn't there this legend, if legend it be, that under the throne of Britain is this stone that was taken from the Irish or something? Yeah, the Scott. There's a the stone of scone, scone or whatever. Yeah. How do you say it or something yeah, like the, that? And it's, it was where scones are inspired from. They're so hard. I had a stone of scone someplace. <laughs> yeah, it's not familiar to me. Left it out <laughs> for one suit. day, and that was it, man. So, yeah. um, but that's uh, yeah. No, well, the, 
there's a lot of uh, there's, uh, stones sort of come up in all cultures because all cultures have stones, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Wow, look at that stone, and this is a special stone. But it's yeah, hard. there's there, there. It's not just in you know the uh, first half of the Bible. It's probably in the second half as well. They're they're everywhere, right? Stones. Well, that's but this one, interesting. This one is round. It's it's it says it's the height of a man uh, above the ground. And it is uh, half buried. So it's about 12 feet in diameter is my guess. Um, and it's spherical, which is interesting. And they wow. so they brought it from the west out to the, uh, I don't know, wherever. <laughs> it's in between Ro- Rohan and uh, Gondor. Gondor and stuck it on top of the hill. Put this thing on a ship, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of a strange thing mm-hmm. to do, uh, but it's a nice touch, and uh, you know, it's not really but, essential to the book. No, but I but didn't remember it, it from any of the previous readings. No, I, I just and completely forgot about it. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just uh, it just made me think of okay, all the people around want to invest it with this mysterious evil or whatever. They're all terrified of it. Aragorn's using it for the proper use, which is as the symbol for the covenant or whatever. But mm. you've also got Denethor, who's got his round palantir, which is a stone. Mm. And he invests it with all the superstitious belief that if he didn't believe in um, what everything he was being shown in the way it's being shown to him, he would not despair. Mm. He is uh, yeah, improperly supposedly- putting his faith in that stone. I mean, I'm just thinking of it. And Aragorn controls the palantir that he has. Um, so, it's just an interesting that- echoing. The Palantir is it allows you to see clearly, right? Yeah, that's interesting. But the Blackstone is uh, it's one of those glass darkly situations, right? Right. That's what that I never would have thought of that. But nice. the fact a lot that it's round, it has to be for a reason, you know. Yeah. So, anyway, spherical. Sorry. Yeah. Well, spherical. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I think this is interesting because I I didn't think that part through, but. Um, in in the Robert E. Howard story, it's similarly half buried in the ground, um, mm-hmm. but it's it may be like a great tooth from a, uh, a monstrous evil castle that's buried under there, or whatever. But in any case, it, it it's you know Lovecraftian style horror. Mm-hmm. That the Lovecraftian style Howard horror for you. Yeah, and it features a character who you know passes out. So that <laughs> helps. Well, as long as he faints, then we're okay. It's, it's yeah. Lovecraftian. The word is That's swoon. Right. <laughs> swoon. Yeah. Isn't that what um, ladies do? Ladies. I guess. Swoon. Yeah. I guess that's more ladies. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's kind of a gentle that, dropping to you know folding onto the ground rather than. They have to have a swain nearby to help them swoon. That's right. <laughs> Swaining. Swooning swain. Um, so, Mice is not a big fan of all the war in this book. Well, that is correct. Is it is called the War of the Ring. That's one of the chapter names, or the yeah, the war, book five, the War of the Ring. So I I, I also was not. Uh, this is I was saying I think my least favorite uh, of of the six books, but I found good things in here. I, I did too. I did wow. too, and and I found it too because of maybe it was because it was my first reading, or I'm 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 almost as dense as the, the text. But you are not. It, it's um, there was just so many kingdoms and so many princes and kings and and people coming from everywhere. 
Um, I, I just found it a little overwhelming. But, but, and as much as I was not happy with all the war, um, as I came to the end, by the time I got to the end, I wanted to turn the page. Mm. But uh, I, yes. hmm. So Now, Julie, are you saying this is your favorite of the six books? I was actually, I got done looking, I finished reading last night. Because I had this, you know, you were tweeting things as you do, kind of getting... I'm not that much, just a little. No, no, no. And it was not bad. It was great because you always kind of just start building the atmosphere before we get into it. And I like that. But you did that first one about the black stone. And I went, huh, idly looking at it going, or the timeline or something. I'm like, don't care. And uh, (laughs) I'm looking going... I'm so fascinated by the timeline. I like the timeline. This is how differently it can take people, I guess. But anyway, so I'm idly just going, oh, yeah, like, why would he do that now? Oh, no, it's noon on Tuesday, and I haven't read this book. (laughs) What am I going to do? So I have to hurriedly sit down and go, okay, if I do 30 pages a day, okay. Yeah. But... Um, but as I was reading it, I was so caught up in the battles, and I agree, the kings and everything, and countries do get overwhelming, but I guess I just kind of just let that flow past, because I don't try to remember them. I know that the important ones yeah, will be brought up to me, and so what I got caught up that's in was the language, and this comes from listening to the audio that was mm-hmm. the first time it really grabbed me. You get the language of some of these battle scenes. And I was surprised at how it would grip me and pull me up into the mood of the person. Like um, when Amor thinks all is gone, they're the Corsairs, we've had it. And it says stern now was Amor's mood and his mind clear again. He let blow the horns to rally all men to his banner that could come thither. For he thought to make a great shield wall to the last and stand and fight there on foot till all fell and do deeds of song on the fields of Pelennor, though no man should be left in the west to remember the last king of the mark. So he rode to a green hillock and there set his banner and the white horse that ran rippling in the wind. And then it has a little... um uh, some staves that he spoke and it says um, these staves he spoke yet he laughed as he said them for once more the lust of battle was on him and he was still unscathed and he was young and he was king the lord of a fell people and lo even as he laughed at despair he looked out again on the black ships and he lifted up his sword to defy them and it's that it pulled me into mm-hmm. the way that he felt that heroic I don't care. I'm going to go down all guns blazing. It's kind of like that scene from The Last Samurai, if you've seen it, where it's down to Tom Cruise and the samurai lord's name. I can't remember. And he's like, how did that end, that battle in Greece? And he goes, they died to the last man. And they go, ha-ha, they (laughs) jumped into it. It's that same, yeah, it's that heroic, we're giving it everything we have, and we're not going to worry about tomorrow. And there were several scenes like that where I just went, Oh, and so I was kind of carried away the way they were. I, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Mag- magical. I think yeah. it's evil magic myself, but I, I agree. It is totally magical and does captivate. And, this, and, is, and the, uh, this is a guy who survived World War One, making yeah. war seem awesome. Well, but you have to. Are you going to protect the people that you're trying to protect? Or are you going to do it's what you're totally going to try true. to do? I mean, that's, that's the you thing. Know? It's, it's, Totally set it up so that we can ha- we can have the love of war, because because that's right. You know they are defending their homes, and Wormtongue is evil, and so is mm-hmm. the mouth of Sauron, and and, and Sauron is evil. They're defending, and, yeah. And the, those orcs are bastards. 
Right. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Last time we gotta we, do it. We talked about this quote from the last book, uh, Faramir's speech of saying, "I love the sword not for its keenness." Right. Um, yeah. He goes on with several things like that. So I think it's important to keep that in mind. That um, and I think that's where the film adaptations um, go off the rails a little bit. Is they oh, do yeah. really revel in this in this battle, and and obviously film lends itself to that anyway. But uh, it misses the point. I mean. You are and, constantly reminded of the humanity. Yeah, and and um, and as much as the war, like obviously this is a battle book. It's a book of, with uh, all about the war. But did you notice yeah. how much power he gave to words as well? So mm-hmm. when um, when the when the dark when the the dark lord of the Nazgul comes up, Gandalf says the, he says you cannot enter here. Go back to the abyss. Go back. And then when when um, when when Eowyn sees him, she says the same thing. Be gone, foul, dimward-like Lord of the Carrion. I want to read this section because I think it is. I think it is just an amazing, amazing scene. Um, And I think we we can talk about just this for about a half hour at least. (laughs) Um, Let me read this section because I, I, you know, I said the Blackstone was going to be the thing I spent a lot of time researching. It's this. This is just awesome. Listen to this. So this is on page 822 of the, if you have the complete volume, it's in the chapter entitled The Battle of the Pelennor Fields. Uh, And it starts, I'm just going to start in the middle of a paragraph. Mary crawled on all all fours like a dazed beast, and and such a horror was on him that he was blind and sick. King's man, king's man, his heart cried within him. You must stay to him, stay by him. As a father you shall be to me, you said. But his will made no answer, and his body shook. He dared not open his eyes or look up. Then, out of the blackness in his mind, he thought he had heard heard Durnhelm speaking. Yet now the voice seemed strange, recalling some other voice that he had known. Begone, foul Dwimmerlake, or Dwimmerlake, Lord of Carrion. Leave the dead in peace. A cold voice answered. Come not between the Nazgul and his prey, or he will not he will not slay thee in thy turn. He will bear thee away to the houses of lamentation, beyond all darkness, where thy, thy flesh shall be devoured, and thy shriveled mind be left naked to the lidless eye. Mm-hmm. Lidless eye is capitalized. Yeah. A sword rang as it was drawn. Do what you will, but I will hinder it, if I may. Hinder me, thou fool. No living man may hinder me. Then Mary heard all of all sounds in that hour the strangest. It seemed that Durnhelm laughed, and the clear voice was like the ring of steel. But no man am I. You look upon a woman, Eowyn I am, Eowyn's daughter. You stand between me and my lord and kin. Be gone if you do not. If you be not deathless, for living or dark, undead, I will smite you if you touch him. The winged creature screamed at her, but the ring wraith made no answer and was silent, as if in sudden doubt. Very, um, very amazement for a moment conquered Mary's fear. He opened his eyes, and the blackness was lifted from them. There was some places, paces from him, uh, so I'm going to just skip ahead. Um, she she's uh, raises up her sword. Okay, and re- Mary realizes 
Oh, it's both of them. They're both the same person. Eowyn it was, and Durnhelm also. For into Mary's mind flashed the memory of the face that he saw at the riding of Dunharrow, the face of one that goes seeking death, having no hope. Pity filled his heart, and great wonder, and suddenly the slow-kindled courage of, a, of his race awoke. He clenched his hand. He should not die so fair, so desperate. Oh, she should not die so fair, so de- desperate. At last she should not die alone, unaided. The face of their enemy was not turned towards him, but still he hardly dared to move, dreading lest the deadly eyes should fall upon him. Slowly, slowly he began to crawl aside, but the black captain, in doubt and malice, intent upon the woman before him, heeded no more than a worm in the mud. Suddenly the great beast, its hideous wings, and the wind of them, was foul. Again it leaped into the air, and then swiftly fell down upon Eowyn, shrieking, striking with beak and claw. Still she did not blench. Maiden of the Rohirrim, child of kings, slender, but as a steel blade, fair yet terrible. A swift stroke she dealt, skilled and deadly. The outstretched neck she clove asunder, and the hewn head fell like a stone. Backward she sprang, as the huge shape crashed to ruin. Vast wings outspread, crumpled on the earth. And with its fall the shadow passed away. A light fell about her, and her hair shone in the sunrise. Out of the wreck rose the black rider, tall and threatening, towering above her. With a cry of hatred that stung the very ears like venom, he let his mace fall. Her shield was shivered in many pieces, and her arm was broken. She stumbled to her knees. He bent over her like a cloud and his eyes glittered. He raised his mace to kill. But suddenly he too tumbled forward, with a cry of bitter pain, and his stroke went wide, driving into the ground. Mary's sword had stabbed him from beneath, from behind, shearing through the black mantle, passing up beneath the hauberk, had pierced the sinew behind the mighty knee. Eowyn, Eowyn, cried Mary, then tottering, Struggling up with her last strength, she drove her sword between the crown and mantle as the great shoulders bowed before her. Mm -hmm. The sword broke, sparkling into many shards. The crown rolled away with a clang. Eowyn fell forward upon her fallen foe. But lo, the mantle and the hauberk were empty. Shapeless they lay now, on the ground, torn and tumbled, and a cry went up into the shuddering air and faded into shrill wailing passing with the wind a voice bodiless and thin that died and was swallowed up and was never heard of again in the age of the world. And then, oh, sorry, and there stood Mariadoc, the hobbit in the midst of the slain, blinking like an owl in the daylight. What a great scene! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it, listening to it read out loud, you know, I heard the part where, you know, the head fell like a stone that you were thinking mm-hmm. of, maybe. But also what never had occurred to me until now is when they described the crown rolling on the ground and his head going down. I went, oh, wow, that's a double of the statue. Yeah. The Frodo and that, Sam encounter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I the opposite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, yeah. Of, yeah. A lot of parallels going on. And, and I heard. The, in, the king. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. 
Uh, I was just going to point out that the king, the witch king, threatens to take her to the Houses of Lamentation, and she mm-hmm. ends up in the Houses of Healing. So That's, That's exactly right. what I was going to say. Oh, yep. darn it. <laughs> Sorry. Smarty pants. You should All of you. Dang it. <laughs> One, two, Did three. Not have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she ends up in the Houses of Healing. Um does she? I can't remember. If she survives. I assume she does. Um, what? Yes, she I does. Can't, <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> no, I, I can't remember. Oh my um, well, Oh no. I was thinking too. Even in the heroism, Mary and Eowyn are kind of uh, acting as the balance to that heroism that we were talking about earlier in the glory of war. They are the individual people showing us the suffering and. Um, the the hardship of being an individual in a battle. You know, they're the balance that, they're the too. Of, of everybody yeah. on the battlefield, those uh, two. They're the, the two weakest persons, and right? The strongest being, right? Mm-hmm. This is the right hand of Sauron, and Sauron okay. doesn't even have a body, right? So right. this is this <laughs> the full and, and, and it's foreshadowing for the last he's book. He's writing, which uh, I, you know, yeah. Yeah, he's riding a, a a winged monster with stinky stinky wings, right? He comes down, says, "No man can, no man may, no living man may hinder me." Right? And no, and and um, Pippin says earlier, "I am not a man." Was it Pippin or Mary? Right. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's Mary. 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 Mary and Pippin they have parallel adventures, right? They, they totally both, are parallel in this. Yeah, they they both uh, swear themselves to a king. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh well, Thanathor's not quite a king, but he's pretty a ruler. Pretty much, uh, yeah, essentially yeah. they're right. Um, and what's what's so cool here is that uh, yeah, I sent. I don't think Julie, you probably didn't get a chance to read that article about what's wrong with the Aowen in the movie. Um, but <laughs> I've read many an article about it because yeah, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> there's so, so much wrong. It's yeah, like Faramir, yeah. also so much wrong. Yep. But go ahead. You know, they, they distill the this sort of badass shield maiden who defeats the right hand of Sauron down to, uh, I'm no man. I'm not a man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and then apparently there's a, uh, a scene right after that where uh, some troll that's not in the book comes and chases her so that uh, Aragorn can save her. I don't and remember, yeah. I, I don't I'm remember glad that. I didn't rewatch the movie because I'd just be pissed off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, by this point, it's 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 terrible at so this bad. point. Well, well I, I'm watching it, the movies for the first time since starting to read these. I've only watched the first one. And I have to say it's 100% better having read the book. Ah, uh, so you're filling in hmm. uh, all those scenes where they're climbing over mountains with scenes well, that are in. Only, I mean, I haven't come to this, so I haven't I haven't had a chance to get mad yet. But um, yeah. from the, the first one, it was just so, it was really made a huge difference. Vivid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And a lot, there's still a lot in the, the la- later parts of the movies, there's still a lot that they do get right. But it's that when they go off the rails, like you said, they just kind of like Eowyn, they took her and made her into... Oh well, I can't do this because I'm a, I'm a woman. They won't let me do anything. And it's like mm-hmm. you're not 
really thinking about the conversations that she's having or this is coming up where he Tolkien is very sympathetic to that. You can see when Aragorn says she's like a, a bird in a cage, she's she needs to be free. But he and this it goes back to I was going to mention the thing about battle is she wants to get out there and fight because she wants to do great deeds. And he's like, we all have to do our duty. He goes, I don't want to be in these battles. I'm doing it because it's my duty. I'd rather be back in Rivendell with my lady. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't, this is, and that's the point that she um, has to kind of deal with on her own. And it's an interesting dichotomy because she's being told this over and over and over. And we could kind of sense that it's the right thing, even though he's, Tolkien is articulating her problem or her feelings so well, you know, he understands. But if she didn't go ahead and follow her heart at the same time, who would have killed the captain? So it's a very interesting situation. Well, I I also think that, you know, Seth should be able to back me up on this. This is actually... uh, it's not so much about, you know, modern feminism. It's oh, actually no. more about old fashioned uh Viking feminism, which is yeah, the right. idea, women yeah. are just just as much in battle as men are. They have a you know, they do have occasionally uh a period when they are not right there in the forefront of the battle. When, you know, they've got a baby suckling, they go to the back lines and they carry the shield only, right? <laughs> the the shield maiden um, it still goes to the battle. She's not, um, you know, at the spear point. She's well, and I think in the the last book, what we'll see is, you know, we see how this all plays out. So he's kind of glorying in that role for her, but he also is expressing later on there is a better way. There's a different way for everybody, and that kind of also answers the glory of battle thing you know you're in the battle you've got to fight there's a reason to fight but he doesn't it's like you were saying about Faramir he doesn't love the battle because of the battle he loves what's behind him that he fights to protect and Aragorn that that's also his answer when he's making the um you know the the argument to her that I'm not doing this because I want to I'm the one who's got to do it and um then you also see that when you are they're on their way to the black gate and I actually really love this sympathy for the people who can't handle what's going on. And Aragorn yeah, will awesome. let yeah. the people go. Yeah, because and I love this, that they're walking in. It says to them, Mordor had been from childhood a name of evil and yet unreal, a legend that had no part in their simple life. And now they walked like men in a hideous dream made true. And they understood not this war, nor why fate should lead them to such a pass. And so he lets them go and you can, you know, here's some choices you can have of how you would like to serve. But and you can really see that here's how you feel when you're stuck in this battle and it's not your duty and it's not what you're used to and everything else. So oh, I, I, I want to go back and just reread that line here again, just so that everybody's sees this other thing that I thought was really cool. So remember, uh, this is the one of the two ring wraiths um, that is given any sort of name. Um, the, the king of the ring wraiths is uh, the witch king of Angmar, right? That's, oh, that's the, right. Um, he's, uh, there's one other that's briefly mentioned given a name, but uh, uh, he's also the one that stabbed Mary. Uh, it's not, not stabbed Mary, stabbed um, Frodo. Frodo. 
back in book uh, monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we have reason to want to see him dispatched, but I thought that this was a really interesting curse that he says upon to uh, Eowyn. He says he will. He's talking about himself in the third person, which is funny because it's also not him, I think. He will bear thee away to the houses of lamentation beyond all darkness, where thy flesh shall be devoured and thy shriveled mind be left naked to the lidless eye. And what I was thinking about there is that actually is so funny is is that curse that he's throwing at her. That's what happened to him, too, because, yeah. His flesh was devoured, right? Right. He has no body anymore. He he has a shape. It's cloaked Mm -hmm. by his... Good one. Shroud. Yeah. Right? And left naked to the lidless eye. That's... That... It's like... It's not just a mind in there. It's a... It's a soul. It's a being, right? With... Without... He has to be transparent to... To... You know, un... Completely unshielded from that monster that is Sauron. That's so good. And it's not just like um, a woman being shown naked. Uh, It's like a a being being stripped away and having no privacy. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of a lot of horror in that line. Yeah. Yeah. And the irony is he doesn't seem to understand that that's what's happened to him. He thinks he's yeah, it's just, in uh, large but, and in charge, you know. Yeah, well, he says, he, but he's speaking in the third person, right? He says well, he will tear the away. Someone. He's talking about himself, but he's mm-hmm. also, uh, you know, it's uh, unconsciously. Oh, it's, he's like the he's hand talking Sauron, about Sauron right? would do that to her. Well, yeah, but he, he he's talking about himself in that way, right? He... he um, he, it's uh, Sauron doesn't have a hand, right? He doesn't. I don't have know a body in because the same remember, way that, Gollum says that he he talks about his hand and what it can do. Right, but the hand is metaphorical, yes. right? Like the hand of the king. And I don't uh, know if I agree with that. That's never made well, clear. Uh, to me, it makes a lot of sense because if you think about how he has an eye, we know that. Right? But he talks about he doesn't like, have his left hand because it was cut off. There's that, but also remember, there's also the the mouth of Sauron, right? Yeah. And that's not physically a, a mouth; it's a guy who acts as the mouth of Sauron, right? It's like he's disembodied all well, the. That's a, all the yeah. I think we can agree to disagree on this. I'm not going well, to agree with you. Sauron's body, right? We know I'm that. Not going to agree with you. Let's just oh, okay. It's, uh, it's the same thing when when Denethor Denethor is comparing himself somewhat slightly to Sauron. And he says um, that he will not come out. He will only come out to triumph over me when all is one. He uses others as his weapons. So mm-hmm. do all great lords if they are wise. Or why should I, you know, hand over my, my sons? But he's saying the same thing. Um, he's sending everybody else out to do his bidding. So mm-hmm. I think it's he is speaking on... I, I thought of it as him speaking on Sauron's. Um, yeah, too. yeah. Yeah, in that way. Definitely. You know, I thought it was interesting. Um, We're we're talking about Eowyn and also Mary, and one of the criticisms of Tolkien from modern fantasy perspective is that oh, he just you know he writes about uh, white guys, and um, (laughs) this book in particular, um, 
you see a lot of marginalized um, characters in different ways. Um, Eowyn <laughs> as a woman, Mary as a hobbit, and also Han Bori Han, the, uh, the woes, the wood woeses. Yes. Um, is that Pukul? I, I really liked him. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Awesome. I had really questions simple. about him. Those wild men, I loved them. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so first of all, they were. It was very cool the way he he paralleled them with with Gollum. Like that speech when they offered the road not taken. Do, do, if you read it, it sounds exactly like Gollum telling Frodo. Uh, like he, it says, um, "Let how do you say Gan Burigan finish?" Said the wild man. More than yeah. one road. More than one road he knows. He will lead you by the road where no pits are, no gorgon walk, only wild man and beasts. Many paths were made uh, when stone house uh, fold were stronger. And then road is forgotten, but not by wild man. Wild man will show you that road. Then you will kill gorgon and drive away bad dark with bright iron. And wild man can go back to sleep. It's the same. It's the same. I as never as thought it that. That's You're right. great. Absolutely. I never thought about no. that either. They're, and they're the ones they're, who turned down. Um, they they're fighting for good but because I they want to be left alone. But they know which side is going to get them what they want is the good yeah. side. And I have wow, a question about crazy. them as well. Now this this is probably way out there, and, and it's probably not correct. But who shot Faramir? Who whose poison arrow shot Faramir? Because they're in the houses of the healing, and they say we don't know where this arrow came from. And and they make a point of saying these people, the the Ducal Pukul man, um, they have poison arrows. Like I don't know why he made such a point of saying it, and also saying I don't know who shot Faramir. Mm. Question. There's no reason mm-hmm. to think that they would, but but if you if we are if I, I do parallel him with Gollum, mm. then it makes like it could possibly. Well, I don't think there's I don't think there's any uh, subsequent you know suspicion raised and suspicion confirmed. No, I know I there think, isn't. I'm I think wondering. you're right though. Um, but th- they also do have reason to be upset with uh, yeah. their allies, right? He says the only thing I want, you, the only thing we want from you is not to be hunted anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anymore. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, what what's cool about them is they are essentially Neanderthals, right? They are not uh, exactly the same species of man as the mm-hmm. regular men. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got uh, the, their clothing is primitive. Their speech is primitive, right? Um, so they're they are they match up with the Woodwows idea. I think this. Yeah, and they. Really Oh, go ahead. Aspect I wanted to like uh, one of the things I was thinking about after finishing. I finished the book early. I didn't realize where I was in the audiobook. I just knew. Yeah, because it keeps going. Here. Right. So I, I I wanted to make sure I had enough time, and I finished early, and I didn't want to start any other audiobooks. I ended up thinking a lot about about uh, about this book, and and just thinking about the Lord of the Rings and. You know, there isn't any uh there isn't any official Lord of the Rings uh fan fiction. You know, there's no uh you know, follow up books written by Tolkien's children or Tolkien's officially licensed thing. You know how James Bond, you know, Ian Fleming's estate oh, gets right. assigned yeah. uh, right. I'm kinda g I'm really kinda glad, but but I'm also I'm also looking forward to the century, whenever that will be, when this becomes public domain, because I would love 
to see what um, like just a, a journey following uh, Gimli and Legolas, you know, on those promised adventures oh. they were gonna have together, mm-hmm. in a sort of yeah. more sedate and relaxed, uh, you know, less stressful hobbit-like, um, perhaps. Yeah, much more. <laughs> we, get a, um, we get a tease of that in this book because they they go back to Helm's Deep briefly, and Gimli's like, "Shall we go see the caves, Legolas?" And yeah. Legolas says, yeah. "No, don't don't spoil the moment with haste." And so yeah. you get a, <laughs> a later, tease of man. that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a fan of fan fiction myself, so I just, me neither. Me neither. I however, don't care about that stuff. But however, I think I think you're missing the point. The point I'm making is okay. that people can then do it. it. I think what we really don't understand about fan fiction is is that we're trying to read it. You're not supposed to try to read it. You're supposed to write it. That's where the pleasure yeah. comes in. Not oh, the in the imagination of that you use yourself the, the journey that you go on. Okay. That's right. So, like, you could say... I could say, support that. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. Most fan fiction is terrible, but... <laughs> isn't that, isn't okay. a shade of gray, Fifty Shades of Grey fan fiction? Uh, it's Twilight right. fanfic, it's, yeah. Or what was it? Twilight it started fanfic. out as, yeah. See? Yeah. Terrible. I mean, yeah, I, for the, yeah, well, first and then look what it's coming from, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. Fan fiction on on crap is not the right way to go. <laughs> but uh, I I would love to see a, a nice visit with these woodwoses because uh, the the these I love their name too. It's a Druidane, right? Right. So there's the Duodane, like the, the Dunadane, who are the high men, right? Yeah. That, yeah. That's where uh, our hero Aragorn comes from. Um, and the Druidane are the, the sort of the low men. Mm-hmm. Right. Pretty cool. I'll the, the, go ahead. The name Woodwose also is, um, it's one of Tolkien's little scholarly uh, inside jokes. And he, he does this a lot. Um, there's in an Anglo-Saxon text, I can't remember which one, he sees this word called Wuduasa. And the mm-hmm. Wudu is, you know, wood, but he doesn't quite know what the Wasa is. And so he's working on it. And obviously, he doesn't have enough working on it to, you know, publish in a in an academic um, <laughs> setting. But he's pretty sure he's right, and so he works it into his fiction. These kind of solutions to scholarly problems that he can't doesn't have enough um, sources and supporting material to back it up in a formal academic setting. But he's still pretty convinced he's onto the right track, and so he mm-hmm. inserts them into his fiction. It's just really cool. It is. I just love that. He's like, well, I'll just put it in here. I can't yeah. believe this is a side project from his regular job. Well, that's why. That's why this is. This is. Well, it did I mean, take eighteen years or something to write. So. <laughs> when you try and sit down and read a regular, you know, fantasy novel, um, even George R. R. Martin, you know, giant epic, he doesn't put in the work that this. You know, yeah. he can't. Yeah. No, no, none of the writers. This is why you know Tolkien. Isn't got forty books in his. He he has a lot of books, right. but um, there you know he doesn't have a. Uh, this is a trilogy, or a, at most you know a, a septology or whatever. Uh, six six sexology. I don't know six books. What's six? Hex hexameter. Hexology. Yeah. Oh, hexology. Yeah. Hex is eight. Okay. Hex is eight. Uh, isn't uh, uh, whatever. I think hex. Yeah, octo is eight. Oh, octo is eight. Oh. In any case. Each of these very slim volumes, 
is behind every sentence or every third sentence, there's like a hell of a lot of research and scholarship, a hell of a lot of forethought and afterthought and so many parallels. So this is a book of parallels like all of the other books we've seen before, but you don't see them right at the beginning. Like if you're looking, you know, in the first couple of books of, of our first few chapters of the Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, we get the hobbits, we get Bobo, Bobo, Bilbo and Frodo. We get, uh, you know, some, some talk about, oh, this ring and that. And, but there's no, none of the parallels that are so deep now. And, and can you imagine going back? And saying, okay, we're going to take out Mary. Oh, or we're going to take out yeah. Pippin. Yeah. The, the book sort of falls apart. Yeah. Because you can't have uh, Denethor versus Theoden if you don't have one guy who's our viewpoint character going in and showing us that world. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you have to have those guys there. Mm-hmm. And that's that deep built-in structure that is why this is the great book it is. This is the masterpiece, yeah. That's right, because it's not just let's assemble a rogues gallery of characters. It's let's explore these really fascinating... Like, I love the way Theoden's Theoden's response to the call to the war versus Denethor's, right? Denethor. It really is. It's so beautiful. Their two stories, the way that they blossom Mm -hmm. and intersect and Go upside down on each other. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it, it, and especially Theoden, that's one is one of my favorite parts of the movie. And they still didn't do it nearly as well as the book. But when he's you know giving his speech and he's clacking his sword on their swords, and you just feel his the change that has come upon him. He is the person he's meant to be. He leads them and he re- doesn't regret it. It's like I won't probably come back. That's okay. Yeah, and Denethor has been wearing his armor under his cloak for ten years or something. Right. <laughs> hmm. Right. He. Uh, uh, you know, one one has worm tongue, right there in, uh, you know, Saruman's Sor- poisoning uh, the relationship between uh, between the Rohirrim and the and Gondor, um, and Sauron is directly. Uh, poisoning Denethor. Yeah. Right. But they both have the antidote there, which is Gandalf. But Gandalf doesn't realize, he doesn't realize until it's too late with Denethor, I don't think. But you know he what? All he does problem, he doesn't know that he's been listening in on the stone. He doesn't know that till it's it's over. Well, he, he says he's been pretty busy. <laughs> riding here and riding there Give me a break. to get everybody organized. <laughs> but the other thing is, is think about what Gandalf does for Theoden. He doesn't do magic. He brings him outside and says, open your eyes, see the truth, see the light. And he's trying his hardest to do that for Denethor. But he Denethor did. resists. Yeah, Denethor, you know? he, he is super thinks because he knows so much mm-hmm. he thinks it's he knows everything with him. Yeah. yeah and and it's also it's also like uh he see because he sees sort of so much he mm-hmm. thinks that he can see evil motivation or right his suspicion is everywhere so he when he talks to pippin about you know why he took him on as a uh servant is not because he thought he would be a handy Dude, it was to keep his enemies closer. 
And that's yeah. like, whoa, dude, mm-hmm. he's, he, he's a simple little hobbit trying to help you out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I had a hard time. You guys had a hard time with the battle scenes. I had a hard time reading Denethor, and I think especially rereading it, that's the part that Agreed. just... It is uh, relentlessly yeah. bitter, and it reminds me, like, uh, it feels like a Greek tragedy. It feels like mm-hmm. uh, Euripides yeah, or something. You know, it's just ugh, unrelentingly bitter and bleak, and it's very hard to read in, in large doses. Mm-hmm. I, think I saw an I article think... recently. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I saw an article. Of... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you go. <laughs> I was just going to say, I saw an article that was uh, pondering whether the disease of our modern age is the disease of Denethor, that we're too quick to despair. Hmm. Um, Because we think we see the whole picture when indeed we cannot see the whole picture. And so we're instead of worrying about what's around us that we can deal with. We're we're worried about, you know, the the leagues of the battalions of troubles that may come upon us. And so we're misinterpreting and then, you know, like I said, despairing too soon. It was a very interesting piece. And I'll try and remember to send you a link because um, it, it just struck me that that is, you know, always a concern. We think we know so much. That's, yeah, true. Th- that's sort of what I was going to say too. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But no, no, but no, but it's different. But but because the other thing about Denethor is he's only concerned with Gondor. Like he, the re- everybody else seems to me, as far as he can, is concerned, it, it it makes no difference. And so because he's so insular, yeah, he 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 is concentrating on his own despair and everything. But he he's so concentrated only on himself that he's not seeing the bigger picture. Whereas everybody else is fighting for all of Middle Earth. He's trying to preserve Gondor, and he'll do anything to do just that, which is making him so much smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see where if, Boromir if was influenced by. Well, if we see the situations reversed, imagine that, that Rohan was under assault, and Gondor needed to come to their maybe, aid. Maybe, maybe. Do you think that Denethor would be up, <laughs> I'm up to that? Or do you think we, we need to marshal our own resources and uh-huh. prepare? Right? I don't think, I don't think Denethor would have been all for it. Now, Mm-mm. I also think that this is this is sort of because Saruman is sort of the weak version of Sauron. Yeah, I think that that the the inf- the evil influence of Saruman on Theoden through Wormtongue yeah. is less. Right, it, 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 the spell is easy, more easily broken. Mm-hmm. And it might also be, you know, uh, you know, the, the they're sort of more simple people, right? Denethor's right. castle is. Is you know it's a stone you know fortress with six walls uh, within it, whereas you know uh, I don't think uh, Theoden has any walls around his his mead hall, mm-hmm. right? It's it's a much mm-hmm. more simple sort of people, uh, right, and right so because they're uh, if you read those those old epics. Right, the Beowulfs and such. Those guys, they're pretty simple, right? You know, you, you just yeah. give, give them something to rally around, and they'll they'll strap on their swords <laughs> and go fight. Whereas, yeah. uh, if you think of how Denethor responds to the idea that even if he was, he says to, about Aragorn, even if he was the legitimate heir, sh- should I hand over this long tradition my family has yeah. had? We have stewarded this land for right. Yeah. So. It's and it's the same stuff he says to Faramir when he's he's mad at him and he's like you were, you were never on my side 
only Boromir understood me. He, because he's, and you see the echoes that were in Boromir just flowering in Denethor in a horrible, like a black flower of death. Um, <laughs> and poor Faramir has got, he's like, but dad, I, don't you love me? I mean, that is the one moment where they took it way too far in the movie. But, you know, poor Gan- Gandalf's going, he loves you. Just, you know, it'll be okay. I swear. Yeah. You know. Don't tell, don't tell, uh, don't tell him how he died, though, right? Because the, the, that would, the, uh, when he's recovering right. in, from surgery, yeah. they're like, okay, you can tell him he's dead, but don't tell him how he yeah. died. Yeah. Later. Because that would really lead to despair, right? Sure. Because he's, he's a human being like anyone else, and he has those very complicated feelings we all have about our parents, and then his are just, even more complicated because of the leadership position and everything else, you know, Ugh, mm-hmm. what a nightmare. I mean, he just, Tolkien just put so much into this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that other moment in the movie where uh, Gandalf just uh, gets frustrated with, with uh, Denethor and whacks him with his staff. You know, that's another <laughs> one of those um, really disappointing <laughs> moments in the movie. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of funny and you can, you can sympathize with him, but that's not what Gandalf would do. <laughs> No, no, you're just like, uh, he was more sophisticated than that. Um, there was something I wanted to just very briefly touch on, and Jesse, you kind of uh, led the way for me when you mentioned the Stone of the Covenant um, being kind of almost reflected in that black stone. There was this time through, and maybe I've noticed this before, but I just hadn't marked it. I was so struck by these, its echoes of things that I know from important points of Christ's story in this one encounter of the black rider with Gandalf, when he's, you know, he's flung back his hood and Gandalf's like, you can't enter here. You just go back, which is also an echo of him talking to the, oh, what is that monster called? And the Balrog. The Balrog, right? It's the same thing. And I thought, you know what? I was really struck by Gandalf's assurance and power. He's standing there and he's not backing off or fighting or anything. He's just like, no, you can't come in. I'm not letting it happen. And so the black rider flings back his hood and we see you can't see his head and there's just red fires for eyes. And from a mouth unseen, there came a deadly laughter. Old fool, he said, old fool, this is my hour. Do you not know death? capital D, when you see it, die now and curse in vain. And with that, he lifted high his sword and flames ran down the blade. Gandalf did not move. And in that very moment, away behind in some courtyard of the city, a cock crowed. Shrill and clear he crowed, wrecking nothing of wizardry or war, welcoming only the morning that in the sky, far above the shadows of death, was coming with the dawn, and as if in answer, there came from far away another note, horns, 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 in dark uh, Mendulian sides, they dimly echoed, great horns of the north, wildly blowing, Rohan had come at last. And when they say, uh, this is my hour, Christ, when um, Mary his mother is saying at the uh, wedding feast at Cana, you know, they, they're out of wine. And he's like, woman, what is this to do with me? My hour is not yet come. And so he continually in that book of the gospel, which I should be able to call to mind, but can't, might be John. He says continually, you know, my hour is not yet. And then at the end, his hour does come. 
And when the cock crows, that just at dawn, that made me think of, you know, Peter had said, I'll never deny you. And he's followed him and he's watching. And then they're all like, hey, you got that same hick accent that Jesus had? No. Mm-mm. And Jesus had said, <laughs> when the cock crows three times, you will, you know, you will deny me. And the cock crows that third time. And in one of the Gospels, Jesus turns and looks at him. And Peter weeps because he realizes what happened. But at the same moment, and I realize I'm just mixing this all up, but this is kind of the impressions I was left with. You've got that, here's the dawn after the hopelessness. We thought all was lost, but there's a resurrection mm-hmm. of hope. And yeah, someone care. coming to yeah. save us. It's a war or not. Yeah, and so those <laughs> things were all like- just kind of packed in there. And I went, wow, you don't have to know that stuff at all. It all works. But for me, I just suddenly went, wow, there's these just these little echoes of these reminders of this big story also that if we know those symbols, they're there to emphasize what's going on. You know, I, I, I wanted to talk. To, no, no, I, I, I like that. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, I thought it was interesting, the parallel. I was, one of the places that I was, you know, thinking about in my fan fiction dream uh it's like okay so you know mary and pippin they don't go uh to the gray lands or whatever but what we do know is is uh they become knights of uh rohan and knights of gondor right so they got the cruise of the land basically and you know most of the evil things are killed off so they can just like go around smoke eat mushrooms, you know, have some more breakfast. <laughs> uh, one of the places I wanted to see them wander through is... This is Search of uh, the Outwives. Oh. <laughs> what? Well, no, we solved that. That, we, that was the last that, yeah. Um But I wanted to see them go to a Hobbit graveyard. And I, I started noticing uh, the dead people. So there is... Th- the first set of dead people we meet are the ring not the ring rates the um the uh, uh what are they called just outside of hobbiton oh the uh, whites the barrow whites the whites the barrow whites so that's the first graveyard right and i was reminded of that because theoden's going to get a he's going to get a barrow right they're going to heap they they talked uh, it was mentioned that you know when i'm past or whatever they're going to heap rocks over his grave and you know, I can see him lying there with his sword. Boromir gets gets a uh, a boat death, right? He gets a Viking funeral sort of thing. Um, the uh, Moria, Mines of Moria, are kind of a tomb. Mm-hmm. There's a section in there that is a tomb. And, of course, uh, Frodo and um, Sam get to go through the dead marshes. Yeah. And in this book we get the the paths of the dead right the ghosts mm-hmm. uh, under the mountain so it in europe there's a lot of graveyards right it's an old society graveyards take up a lot of space and when you've been killing people or people have been dying for a long time there's a lot more graveyards right um north america we have graveyards but it's not quite as densely packed um, but I, I was thinking, there's no Hobbit graveyard. They they got to bury them somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe they burn them. But I, I would ass- I would assume there's a Hobbit graveyard somewhere. But I think they're just did focused pass on life on and walk. not death in those sections, so there's no reason it is. to see it. But I want to go see that. <laughs> I want. I, I, 
<laughs> want to know what a hobbit funeral home looks like. like. Considering how the hobbits are and consider thinking about England, I just feel like it would be one of those lovely old country church graveyard type places. Trees. Yeah. And you could have picnics on their death day if that's what or you know birthday if that's yeah. what you wanted to do or. Yeah, actually, there's a there's a Korean uh, uh, day called Chuseok, which is like a sort of a harvest uh, harvest period. It's kind of I, I kind of think of it like a Korean Halloween uh, Thanksgiving sort of thing. Yeah, like All um, Souls Day. Yeah, um, and they go to the graveyard and they do have a picnic there. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's Mexico. All Souls Day. And in the catacombs too, they used to go and picnic yeah. with their dead. Right. Right. Yeah, that's where I, I think that that would make a great like scene in a or maybe just instead of a you know we need it's not that we need Lord of the Rings fanfic maybe we just need little vignettes right? you know of a little <laughs> you scene be where writing this yourself you <laughs> well, clearly have given it a lot of thought I think I'm you should in enjoy yourself the, and write uh, it the, with the great great grandchildren of Tolkien or whoever controls the estate. I, I was I was getting really mad at them when I was reading some articles. The, they're suing also everybody for having Hobbit in their name. And, and it's like, uh, yeah, we all thought that he invented it, but he didn't. He just made right. it more popular, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Well, considering what the movies did, I can't actually blame them. So I feel... <laughs> like, uh, because that was under their, you know, the, their blessing and all this stuff. And then you look at what happened to The Hobbit, the movie, and you just go, Oof. oh, no, I don't think, right I think I, I support them in this, you know. Um, well, do you recall that there was a, a Lord of the Rings movie before the Lord of the Rings movie and there was a Hobbit movie before the Hobbit movie? That right? Hobbit movie was cute. That Rankin-Bass Hobbit movie, that was, that was yeah. pretty fun. I hated that 70. animation so much I would yeah. never watch it. There you go. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, authors' estates after after the author has been dead for 50 years. I I think it's pretty much time to give it up. But yeah, um, go, let's, yeah. let's talk about um, one other thing at least. Uh, I I really like the sequence um, where we start getting this idea that the king's hands are the healing hands, right? Yeah, Aragorn. that beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we got this. We got this line earlier with Aragorn, right? When uh, Frodo was stabbed, he went out searching for some, mm-hmm. some uh, I don't know, herb or something to heal him. I forgot about um, that. I don't yep. think it's the same herb that uh, we get here, but certainly uh, um, so there's either. a lot of healing needs to be done, right? Yeah, I thought it was Athelos. I thought it was the same. Oh, was it? Um, is it the same one? Is that what it is I in think here? It is. That is what it was in there too. Yeah, because if it's yeah. the same one, then he just basically only has one trick. But um, I, I just I love the trick. Well, you know, his one healing thing is he just goes out. And, it's like you know, healing potion in in. Mm-hmm. It's. But what was nice it, is even if it is the same one. Because yeah. we forgot it, we get a, a lot of nice uh, talk about um, when Aragorn's talking about, do you have this herb? Yeah. This is, this is the yeah, herb maybe. master. Well, nobody around here uses that. And then we get the, we'll send off the boys to go looking looking for it. Uh, and then we get that same parallel, the same humorous parallel yeah. with Mary <laughs> wanting to smoke. to smoke. 
Yeah. I love he wakes up and the first thing he says is like, I'm hungry or whatever. <laughs> you know, is there something to eat? <laughs> you know, um, the, the king's foil is the herb is great. But did you also notice that the king also for each one of those people that he um, that Aragorn, for each one of those people that he saved, he also to- com- commanded them. He bade them right. come back. So right. it was it was a combination of of the herb and the king. So it was like uh, you know what that old lady in the in the healing place said: he, the king can do this. That was yeah. part of it. Mm. Yeah, I mean yeah, he's because, basically going into the valley of the shadow of death. I mean he's going there yeah. and calling mm-hmm. for them, and they come back. Like yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. And he did that with the path of the dead as he's well. Like that's but, yeah, right. It's another parallel. But when he's you say the valley of the death, shadow, yeah. The Valley of the Shadow of Death, because when I was thinking of just now of uh, the let's eat thing, that's the first thing he would always say, like, you know, it's Talitha Kum and the little girl wakes up and he says, give her something to eat. Mm. That's a he'll he does that a lot. You know, OK, give him something to eat now. And uh, and somebody said, I was wandering and you commanded me to come back, my Lord. Um, isn't that Faramir? So, yeah, um, yeah. But and the, I, and also I was wondering if he wasn't able to do it so much before he hadn't come so much into his kingship. He's still not crowned, um, which is kind of completes everything. But he is now he's taken command. He's obviously the recognized king. They just haven't had time to go through all that stuff. And he is himself so much more that he can do those things that he couldn't do for Frodo before. You know, he's not doing surgery. He's doing the spiritual or whatever kind of healing that yeah. has to be. The herbs just kind of facilitate it. Yeah, because doesn't he do something before they can find the herb? He's like, okay, I've, I've kind of got him to where he can make it, but hurry up with those herbs, you know? Yeah. yeah he says that he, they were still on the brink, too. Yeah. 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 I think the the, the, the lore master... Uh, title is a cool. One. <laughs> I, I think there was even a game, uh, a role playing game made out of, made out of that line about you know just knowing, knowing not just book learning but about what all of these herbs not are just named but what what they're used used for. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a very cool thing that I didn't see a lot of connections. You know, I don't hear a lot of people talking about that when they talk about Lord of the Rings. But it's funny because Aragorn, that's really his, he he, he isn't the fighting man here, right? Right. In fact, Merry and uh, Eowyn do more of the actual, you know, heavy damage against the enemy. Mm-hmm. He, he's the rallying guy. He's mm-hmm. the lore master. He's the healer. Hmm. Well, that's and I love the whole uh, the fact that now we're kind of coming back to a more normal way of living. So you got the old lady who's given him some lip. Well, I do yeah. here, but you know, hmm, doesn't look like a king to me or whatever. And um, <laughs> then he's kind of is the king yet. Well, that's what he, he he also says that cool line about um, when when I can't remember if it was Mary or Pippin comes up and says, "Oh, it's Strider." Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and. The, <laughs> And he says, uh, I will include that as my house name, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it'll sound fancier when we put it into the high, yeah. high tongue. <laughs> yeah. But it will be in my family name, right? Mm-hmm. So all my children will... I thought that was... It was like a way of raising up this sort of low-level name. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because he doesn't reject that at all. Because when he's like, well, you know, I'd really love to smoke. And he's like, you know, I didn't come all this way just to bring you your pipe and your tobacco. <laughs> yeah. And then he leaves and they go, well, he saw your pack here the whole time. He's just having fun, you know. So um, it's he's still the person we knew. It's just these are all the other dimensions that we get to see of him, too. So I love right. that. Then I love the whole um which we haven't talked about yet, but this, you know, he goes back because he stops. He's like, I have a lot of things to do, but he stops and does what's needed there for those individuals and then goes back to the big picture of what do we do next? This it can't be everything. And the fact that he is still putting himself at service of the bigger task. He's not, he's also the opposite of Denethor, who, as you pointed out, you know, would Gondor have gone to help Rohan? He takes all the troops he can to go and pause, make the big distraction so that the main thing can happen, which is not him. I mean, you could never have a better example of, you know, self-sacrificial for everybody. I also yeah. thought that, uh, that very thing is actually happening in that, that battle scene between uh, Eowyn and the Ringwraith, mm-hmm. right? Is that that's actually a parallel for the whole book because she stands in f- a f- a front of him, right? Right. Uh, uh, taking the, the hideous blows on her shield. Meanwhile, the little sneaky hobbit's in behind stabbing him in the leg. Oh, right? you, you're so taking right. Taking him down. So that he can be destroyed. Yeah, you're so yeah. very good. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's, you know, what masterful everything, just the way this all works together, as you pointed out. And, you know, you said that thing about this is my favorite book. And I'm like, I at this point, because I just read it, yes, but can there be a favorite book? There could be a less favorite no, book. I like the marsh creeping is tough, right? but there's a lot of beauty in there too. Um, each one I'm, I'm really different. fond of Tom Bombadil and that whole section, but mm. it is, yeah. it is so light and fluffy that uh, when it comes to, I mean, it would have no meaning without this later stuff. So it all right. has to work together, right? It's, it's like saying, you know, my favorite uh, internal organ. Yeah, okay, I can live without my appendix. I don't want to. Right? My, yeah, I need them all reading, functioning. Later, my ears, because I'm listening to something. Or yeah, right. yeah. Since you can't pick one, you got to have all of it. So. We need we need them all to be functioning yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah, Properly. and also this is one book. I mean, for publication purposes, and we're splitting it up for discussion purposes. But it really is Tolkien intended it as as a book, and so. Right. We can have our favorite part. Well, but, it is a uh, right. That's good point. I, 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 I say, you know, he keeps the books, right? He whether he names them or not, you know, the the whole book is called the Lord of the Rings, right? Right. Um, and right. the Fellowship of the Ring is not his title. None of these chaptered uh, titles that you know, the, this one's called the War of the Ring. I don't think that that's him. But there are six volumes uh, possible from this yeah, one true. book, right? And so uh, structurally, he's he's. He's made it yeah, this way for parallel reasons, and I, I quite like, I quite like reading it this way. I think more books should be uh, a lot more dense like this, and you know, it's long. It's you know, a thousand not is it a thousand pages? Let's see. yeah, it's mm-hmm. eleven hundred yeah, pages or so, uh, not including the appendices. It's about a thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, that I think once you've learned to love the book, slowing down and taking it really slowly. 
just allows you to appreciate it so much more. And even then, when you're speeding up and going back through it again, just at the normal, I can't quit turning the page speed, Mm -hmm. you still are noticing and appreciating those deeper things. Because this is one of the first books I did that with, but I've done it since with, well, Scott and I just talked about Uncle Tom's Cabin on uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, good stories hard to find and it was that same thing i read it at normal speed but i'd had to go through it slowly when i you know read it on my other podcast uh in episodes and so i was just like oh my gosh you know it's no lord of the rings it's a completely different book but i could appreciate it the same way all the weaving and everything in there mm-hmm. um i did want to point out one more parallel to denethor i mean i just man it's everywhere. Denethor is like the focal figure that everything is going up against, in a sense, uh, in that way. And it's, you know, he sees the end of everything. We can't make it out of it. And he's like, Faramir's still alive. And he's like, and I'm taking you with me because I love you so much. You're, you're going to die anyway. Then you have Mary, who's like, we are never making it out of this alive. Oh, crap. I wish Pippin was here. But he doesn't become passive. He still is fighting. He might wish for something different. He wonders what will happen. But he's still fighting. What what, what I think is so interesting in that that part I read is that he he doesn't know he's doing that. We're told suddenly Mary's sword was being stabbed into the leg. And it doesn't say, and I decided I'm going to stab his leg sneakily. Oh, yeah, yeah. He just doesn't even know that he's, it's just in him that this is what is going to be done. It also says nobody else could have wielded that sword except him. Well, that was Pippin. Yeah. Is that Pippin? I was thinking of Mary at the Black Gate, but you're right. There's two parallels to it. It's the same thing to Denethor. But Mary also says, "I will, I will walk through the path of the dead if I have to." Like, mm. yeah, he, he. I was so, you know what? I was so impressed with Mary. Like, he was just so brave at every turn. And when, um, when Gandalf Are we talking came, about Pippin, okay, Mary, Mary. And when Gandalf came back and found him, when Pippin was babysitting him, and and, and Gandalf came back and found him and said he should have been brought back. In, in a place of honor, I was crying at that point because yeah. finally somebody was recognizing what this hobbit yeah, was willing to do and, what, and the heart of him. Like he was just so, so brave at every turn. And the whole time Pippin was going around, he's, being, he's like, I'm just nothing. I'm little. I can't do anything, but I'm still going. Yeah. Pippin's the one I'm who was that- with Theoden. With Pippin was with Denethor. Yeah, Mary was with Theoden. Really? Yeah. Yep. Because <laughs> Pippin, it says Pippin remained behind. Am I? Maybe I got this. The battle, the battle with the Ringwraith is is uh, the Rohirrim. Yeah. No, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Black Gate. The Black, the Black Gate, Gate is, is Pippin. They had to leave Mary behind. No, it says they left Pippin behind, doesn't it? Now I'm going to have to see. Pippin kills a troll. They're so interchangeable. Which which falls on him. Yeah. And then that's the end of the book. And he says, oh, it's eagles. Yeah, Pippin is uh, married left behind. That's the end of the book. Okay, you're right. So I had the names reversed. So see, they are so insignificant. I don't pay attention properly. (laughs) (laughs) So I had the wrong. So that's sorry about that. But I was thinking of whoever it was at the Black Gate who's like, um, that's the other example. 
of, you know, he's stabbing the troll in the foot or whatever it is he's doing, but he's just looking going, this was made for just such an hour uh, at his blade from Numenor. Uh, I'll read he says, the well, here. I'll smite some of this brood before the end. Oh, yeah, that's what... Okay, so it says, Then Pippin stabbed upwards, and the written and the written blade of Westerness pierced through the hide and went deep into the vitals of the troll, mm-hmm. and his black blood came gushing out. Yeah. He toppled forward and came crashing down like a falling rock, burying those beneath him. Blackness and stench and crushing pain came upon Pippin, He's being crushed just the way uh, Theoden was crushed by his own horse. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. And his his mind fell away into great darkness. I, I loved how talkative he was after he got crushed. <laughs> <by> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. he's thinking about it. He's, a, he's like, my my nose is okay, my chin is okay, but everything below the waist <laughs> <laughs> completely <laughs> is gone. I can't feel my legs. <laughs> That's right. So... Uh, and it says, um, so it ends as I guessed it would, his thought said. I love that he doesn't say that. His okay. thought says that. Even as it fluttered away and it laughed a little within him, ere it fled. Almost gay, it seemed, to be casting off at last all doubt and care and fear. And then, even as it winged away into the forgetfulness, it heard voices. And they seemed to be crying in some forgotten world far above. The eagles are coming! The eagles are coming! Oh, for one moment more, Pippin's thought hovered. Billo, it said. But no, that came in his tale long, long ago. This is my tale, and it is ended now. Goodbye. And his thought fled far away, and his eyes saw no more. And oh, I gotta get the next book. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> um, there the part about ta- like they, that's the same thing they keep bringing up. You know, are they going to sing my song? And and when like they they talk mm-hmm. about being in the story all the time. But the other thing about yeah, that was yeah. um, at one point Gandalf says the board is set and the pieces are moving. So they mm. talk about themselves. Yeah, there was a nice chess metaphor. Yeah, there. I was and, surprised and, to see that. Yeah, and he says um, that and he's talking. I think he's talking to Mary or Pippin, and he says the enemy has the move. And, but the pawns are likely to get action too. Like, don't despair. And um, but what I thought was interesting be, is that how Gandalf sees so much bigger picture than than this. Because later he says, um, other evils are out there and, that may come. For Sauron is himself but a servant of the emissary. Yet it is not our part to master all the tides of the world, yes. but to do what is in us for the succor of these years wherein we are set uprooting the evil in the fields that we know so that those may live after may have a clean earth to till what weather shall have is not ours to rule. So like even within all of this, he's saying, and we're just one, we're just one, one game. I was surprised to see that line about Sauron being, you know, he is just a pawn of the, of, of the real enemy. He's like, not, he's not the complete evil, right? He's like, you can't, okay, you kill Sauron or, you know, banish him from the earth or whatever. Evil's not gone. Yeah. This is, this is just one between the powers of light and darkness. Yeah. Wasn't Sauron a servant of the Iluvatar who fell? Yeah. But that guy's gone. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah, Is he gone? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Melkor's gone. Yeah. Okay. Which King of Angmar yeah, was a bad like... dude too, right? And and now he's well, he he seems to be gone. He he, he floated away, right? Because he he was burst like a balloon. <laughs> well, we, we get these other pockets of evil, like um, Shelob and the Balrog. Sure. And, mm-hmm. and we get mm-hmm. pockets of 
evil elsewhere that are gonna gonna endure yeah, stuff deep down in the oh, earth right. that was bad. But yes, yeah, she's uh, nursing her wounds. I was just surprised, mm-hmm. like that there that Sauron is not like treated like sort of the the be all and end all. Yeah, that's it not realistic, is it? I mean, it's funny how you find these. Even though this is this amazing fantasy, it's so solidly rooted in his worldview of. Mm. You know, you can't, there is no one thing we can do and then everything's perfect. That's, right. that's not that's real right. life. And so I There's think that's always why, another one. yeah, it's why it resonates with us. It's always coming from somewhere unexpected also. You know, we were like, oh, everything's great. Five years ago, could we have imagined yep. ISIS out there? No. And we're yeah, looking we, at we got it, Osama bin Laden. Great. We're good. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. That nut's gone, you know. And then you, but, and yep. then if somebody had said that, we'd have gone, no, no, you're thinking of, Old school. We're talking, you know, medieval times or whatever. No one does that now, but mm, they yeah. do. Uh, how about and Putin with his maneuvering? And I'm like, you know, I thought the Soviet Union was done, but I see here we have the same kind of mentality of how shall I maneuver? And so it's just that interesting, like, you know, you don't expect it. And why are we always surprised? Because we expect something better. And that's in this book, too. I, I'm I'm not surprised in reality because I, I just don't buy into the idea, you know, this is this guy embodies all evil, blah, blah, blah. But in this what's, what's funny is in, in fantasy, that's typically done as like Sauron is sort of the analog for all subsequent mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fantasies where if you just kill this one evil army and banish them from the world, uh, you know, a new renewal will come forever and blah, blah, blah. Well, and I, I think... Um, here, it, it's right in this book. It says no. No, yeah. he's just aspect of this particular evil being expressed. And, of course, Tolkien is so realistic. We will see that later. That's right. Hey, things Tolkien, pop up so, other places we don't expect. Yeah. He's thorough. He's really, really thorough. Yeah, he's just... Yeah. World creation. Absolutely. Master. And I think he was just so involved in, to him, a lot of what he was writing about, so beautifully written, but it was the truth. Like, you know, I'm saying the real world truth that he couldn't just go, and now we're done. He had to say, here's how life goes on. I'm looking forward to our next yeah. session. I ask you all a question? Our last session, on, yeah. Uh, the tokens. Go for it. The tokens that, that the lieutenant of the Tower of Baradur throws down the 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 sword and the cloak and oh, yeah. the and yeah. the um the mail okay mm-hmm. now you've all read it and i haven't so mm-hmm. and i don't remember the movie cuz i slept through the third one the last time i have to say cuz <laughs> it was just too much i don't think we should tell you i don't I even have, remember what I happened i have to some the theories movie. oh what if any of this could perhaps be so the sword I'm thinking, Mary's sword just melted into yeah. evil. Could it somehow have ended up on the other side? And Pippin dropped his cloak somewhere. Was there, is there one of Sauron's bad guys? Did he take it and take it back? And the, it says that the, the, the Gondor, they have helms wrought with Mithril. Could they also? Have a hat. <laughs> You're really stretching. Uh, no, but I love this because this is where people reading the book for the first time this are left. Fan- this is I fan- love this. This is fantastic happening right now. I didn't um, think about all no. the little hints or possibilities, but imagine how 
people felt. Go ahead. Yeah, no, if you haven't read. If you don't know, like this is where you are. You're like, where? What? Where is? All, where are my things all coming from? Well, didn't wasn't the very last scene of the previous book? Um, Sam against the door. Sam, they've taken Frodo. They, like, he's just discovered that they ha- they've taken Frodo, I'm and we hoping. know that they were going to strip him. Don't make her stop. Do, no, Don't make her remember what happened that. in the previous book. I know, I know what they were going to do. I know what they were going to do. But we don't and then you're happened. like, but I hope yes. they didn't. Like, you know, uh, as, as a what first time computer, yes. you're like, I hope maybe they got away. You Anything know? could happen. Anything could happen. Yep. Yeah. For her. Sam well, does have Sting, but I don't think he, he didn't take the mail, right? Um, it says no, Sam yelled and brandished Sting. No, so he that, didn't take the mail. No. He didn't take the mail. I think he said, thought it was wrong. Yeah. So... Um, maybe when Gandalf see like I was surprised what Gandalf did. Right, he was I like he was brilliant. a stand up hard. That was so good. Yes, I will take these. <laughs> Not your yep. terms. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's like I can't give up everything for one person. I don't care how much I love him. It can't happen. And and you're a liar. I know you're a liar. You guys lie all the time. That's your hallmark. How can I believe you? Yeah, so I mean, Gandalf he doesn't say that, but you know that's where it's coming from. Yeah, I loved, I loved his terms, though. I, I, I think that, like, I, I almost want to see a fan fiction version of, of if Gandalf had given in, if Aragorn says, you know, we do love that Hobbit, let's let's get him back. Um, but I, then I he think wouldn't have been Gandalf. I no 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 I understand that but but I love the terms that the voice of Sauron lays out right it says look all these lands right? all of these lands are going to be ours forever and all the lands that are next to them are going to pay tribute doesn't say forever but are going to pay tribute and I was thinking does Sauron haven't does Sauron even know that these are the terms that are being offered because at one point uh, Gandalf points out you think you're going to be that guy put in in two minutes here, don't you, right? Or mm-hmm. at least we, we get the sense that that's going on. I, I, I would be really interested to see, like, if they gave in, right, and said, yeah, let's do it, um, because they, they're going to lose the battle anyways, is the idea, right? Do you think that Sauron would live up to his terms and, yeah, just be cool with that? Or do we get the sense that he would just, you know, ravage all the lands? I personally was thinking the ravaging. But mm-hmm. yeah. thinking now about how it would all about turn how Mordor. well no thinking well yeah turning everything into Mordor is right, is, right. but I think that thinking now about how uh, Sauron isn't this ultimate evil he's just evil that I don't think that that would be the case uh, I think that I think that this is more like a Hitler situation where you know yeah you give him uh, you know the this particular set of lands he he's going to give in. Uh, and everybody thinks that's fine. Then he's going to want to take more. Right? Yeah, but look how he's going to take more, and he's going to want to take more under his control. Hey, if you're looking, but he's at not going to take South America, he, right? He's yeah, not going to take China. He will. He'll get there eventually. No, 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 no. If, no, if no, he's no. got that control. Yeah, but he he's just a man, right? <laughs> well, I'm talking about Hitler, not talking about. Sauron. <laughs> You're thinking of an Alexander the Great situation where it all falls yeah. apart, but yeah. Sauron is deathless as far as we know. If he gets the ring or has the ring, there's no telling what great evil. Just because he's not the ultimate evil doesn't mean he's not an insane source of evil. Look at what he's yeah. already done and mobilized. You're limiting yeah, him. 
Yeah. Seth, what? Was it oh, you, no, Seth? It was just like without, without the ring that he was able to, you know, bring about so much evil. I also think that, yeah. w- that Gandalf isn't quite as clever as we give him credit for. Because oh, if you think... upon you. Just think about this for a second. If they say, look at all this stuff we got. We got his shirt. We got his cloak. We got his sword. Right? We got him. Right? Well, if you got him, where's the ring, huh? And if if you're oh. if you got the ring, where's the negotiation coming from? <laughs> uh huh. So Gandalf he says, uh huh. No, yeah, you wait, got wait, this. Wait, you got that. No. I don't see a ring there. Wait, wait well, Gandalf. I... At Gandalf, um, doesn't he? As far as he's concerned, Sauron doesn't know who has the ring because he says we want the light on us because he might think one of us has the ring and that's why we're right. being so bullish. So if he said that, then then um, Sauron would know exactly who had the ring. He's got to not talk about that. Yeah. But what's so cool is that in, in trying to manipulate Gandalf by showing him this loot, right, he's actually given Gandalf essential information, which is, <laughs> which is, yeah. right, don't I it. don't have, right. It's not a spoiler for the next book. Obviously, he's still, a, uh, the ring is still in play. Yeah, right? yeah or he not, wouldn't be negotiating. You're right. He yeah. wouldn't be negotiating. It's totally obvious. And yeah. Gandalf. Oh, thank you for this info. We're definitely not taking this deal now. (laughs) I am throwing down. Yeah. Did anybody else with all of the horns blaring and drums beating, did you see Mad Max, the guitarist? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would like to see George Miller's version of The Lord of the Rings for sure. Oh, wouldn't that be interesting? I think it would be... um, Little more deserty, but I'd be willing to. I'd, I'd I'd love to see it filmed in Australia. Oh yeah, uh, because uh, you know New Zealand's all well and good, but it's not so good for uh, variety. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit too Irelandy greeny. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that would be interesting to see somebody like that take it on and be really authentic about the characters and their motivations and their interactions, but even translating it, I guess this would be my version of fanfic or whatever, into the (laughs) motorized situation, you know, and the just, well, you know, just translating it in a different way and, but still remaining true to everything else. Totally. That would be very interesting. I I used to have this vision of, I was going to make a movie or a TV show or something where I take the original Star Wars and I turn it into like a, a, a Mad Max style movie. <laughs> with, yeah. So Luke Skywalker's the hot, hot young new driver, right? And then this movie came out uh, called Spaceballs. Well, that's and I realized, oh no, <laughs> because Spaceballs has uh, Han Solo's driving the, the van. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The, Motorhome, right? Yeah. And I said, yeah, that that's right. He'd have to drive a, ho- a motorhome. But actually, he could do a rig, you know, like a yeah, right. uh, right. tractor trailer. Big rig. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. Uh, you're going to have to. I got it. Oh, good. Good man. All right. Oh, you know what? I haven't brought up any Wikipedia entry yet. I better do that. Wikipedia. So, my security blanket. Mm-hmm.
<laughs> Wikipedia. Whether you need it or not, it's nice to know it's yeah. there. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, they call that a transitional object. What? In, uh, oh, right. Yeah. In, uh, I took some humanities class and uh, we we went on and on and about. What about security <laughs> blankets? Transitional objects. Mm. So it's like when you're a baby, uh, you're a part of your mom. No, before you're a baby, you're a part of your mom. Right. Then you're separated from your mom physically when you're given birth to. But uh, then after a certain point, you realize you've got a body, but that's oh, scary. Right. So they give you an object like a blanket or a, a, a you know Snuggie or some, some sort of animal toy that you need to have with you all the time. And then as you grow in confidence, uh, eventually this is, hmm. is gone. And well, the teacher had some... Theory, but- the teacher had some specific theory about how you have to have it taken away from you to oh, really? suddenly grow into a, into a, uh, I don't know, like the next stage or something. And I said, no. that's not true. I got mine at home. <laughs> yeah, no. Here it is. I have my yep. iPod with yep. me always. I guess I'll never evolve. Mine, um, exactly. Mine is a homemade dragon. My, my father sewed me a stuffed toy. Oh, it's okay. a dragon. Oh. But its skin is made out of, uh, like, a, instead of dragon skin, it has, like, a well. sort of tiger or leopard spot. Mm. Mm-hmm. At one point, though, its feet were, uh, because they were a different material, they sort of felt they were falling off. He was losing, I don't know. Integrity. Integrity in his feet, so they had to replace his, his uh, foot pads. Well, I never had anything like that, so that I can remember. Neither did my kids. They were fine. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> All right. Maybe that's why I don't believe in some of those theories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I got distracted by my my story. Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I feel like Fairmere would relate, or maybe I don't know something. So, in the Lord of the Rings, who is whose security blanket? Oh boy! Oh, Boromir is mm-hmm. Denethor's security blanket. There you go. Whee! Oh yeah! All right. We weren't even <laughs> there we go. To the day. <laughs> wow. Perfect. And Merry and Pippin are each other's security blankets. That's hey! how they keep watching yeah. for each other yeah. the whole time. Yeah. And Frodo and Sam. Uh, already won it. You're gonna have to win it for tomorrow. Frodo and Sam, but they can, but they can make it without it. That's the point. Yeah. All right. Poor uh, Sam. He's actually here's, a, here's an easy one. I'm gonna. Huh? This is a softball one for Seth. Okay. Ready? Oh. Right, here oh, comes Seth. Who is Gimli's security blanket? Legolas. There you oh, go. No, 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 no. Galadriel. Galadriel. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, she's yeah. everybody's security blanket. Yeah, no, she's above that. Because we're having, this is the Roma, the book of romance. All right, let's get started then. <laughs> if we're going to start <laughs> down the romance. Here, I can see it coming. All right. Oh, <laughs> there's gold in them there, Hill. If you look at them, there are battles. Oh my gosh, <laughs> those glorious battle scenes ever. I was reading them out loud to myself. Oh. They, uh, Really? I was trying to skip through them. It takes precedence oh. over the book on Wikipedia. This is terrible. You've got to... No, oh, no. You, just, you have to read them. Some of those things... I mean... No, I, I did read them, but 
I did read them, but they weren't my happy places. All right. <sighs> they were so good. Well, let's let's get started. All right. Our we can get this on, on camera, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. right. We'll take All this right. outside. Jesse, <laughs> you and me. Wow. <laughs> lock us in here so he gets it all recorded. That's right. All right. Here we go. 